0: Well, it's, I know last Sunday was the first Sunday of the new year, but it was the first and and lots of people, including me, um, were away. So um, we're kind of like doing our first kind of message of the year um, this Sunday. That's not to say that your message last week, Kofo, I'm sure it was great and amazing and wonderful. Uh, I didn't listen to it, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I didn't watch online. I went to the church where I was um, in Whitby. Um, So um, we're going to read together to start with, just to kick us off this morning, from the book of Colossians, um, chapter 2 and verses 1 to 19. So if you've got a Bible with you, it'd be great if you could um, follow along. The words will come up on the screen um, behind me as well. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 19. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love So Paul is writing to the church in Colossae and he is saying, I'm really contending for you as a church because I want you to be firm in your faith. I don't want you to be dragged off here and there by all these different things that you hear, but I want you to be built solid and secure on the foundation that is Jesus. And I want you to notice that one of the things he says in that context is, I pray that you'll be encouraged in heart and united... In love. Now that word united, we're going to see it again a few verses later in our reading, but some translations, you may even have a translation that says knitted together, knitted together in love. Paul says, I'm praying that you're going to be solid and secure, you're not going to depart from the faith that is your foundation, and so that you can be that people, I'm praying that you will be knitted together in love. I'm praying that you will be united as a people in love. So we'll carry on reading. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than of Christ. Because you see, there has always been, throughout the history of the church, there have always been all kinds of crazy ideas out there. There have always been all kinds of modern trends and fads and the latest theory that kind of almost sounds like pseudo-Christian, but actually it's just the latest fad, the latest psychology, whatever it is. But Paul saying, I want you... To be firmly established in the truth of the gospel. I want you to know what the truth is. And for that, you're going to need each other. For that, you're going to need each other. So that you don't just pick up the latest thing that's coming your way. Now he's saying this even before the internet. (laughs) Verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. Through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, we don't have time to spend lots of time on this right now, but if you are visiting us today, this is like the heart of the Christian message, that we can begin a new life in Jesus Christ, that the life we used to live, that was all basically centered on ourselves, can be put off. Even though you may, have tried, you may have tried a million times to be a better person, to do better things, to, to act more like you think you should. And, and you'll know it's really, really hard. And we always end up failing. But what the amazing truth of the Christian message is, is that God can take away that old self. And he can make you a new person. And it doesn't mean you never get anything wrong ever again. But at your core, you have become a new person. And you keep on being renewed until you get to go and spend eternity with him, perfect in his presence. It's amazing. In verse 13 then he says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that is to say your old self hadn't been cut away, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. How amazing is that? He forgave us All of our sins. Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them by the cross. So what Paul's doing here is he's bringing us back to what really matters. He's saying all these crazy teachings are coming your way as a community. But actually what matters is Jesus and the cross, and that he gave his life for you so that your old life could be done away with, so that you could become a new person in him, and so that you could have a perfect eternity, a wonderful future in relationship with God. I want you to be knitted together in love. I want you to be bound together as a community, united in love, so that you don't depart So that you don't get sucked off by all these wonderful new and crazy ideas. But so that you remain true to the heart of the gospel. That Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life on a cross. That all your sin, all your rebellion, all your rejection of God could be forgiven and done away with. And you could have a perfect relationship with God. What verse did I get to? Sixteen. Fifteen. And having disarmed the powers. I have read that one. Sixteen. Therefore, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to a religious festival. Don't let the religious police put you down. Do not let the people who are all about appearances and are feeling bad about their own failures in private. And therefore start judging your behaviours in public because they can't deal with their own stuff going on in private. That's basically what the Pharisees did. They knew they couldn't live up to God's standard, so they put on a show. And actually, it's very easy for us to judge the Pharisees, but we can end up in that same trap. He says, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual minds. They have lost connection with the head. They have lost connection. They're full of great ideas... They're full of fine-sounding arguments and theories, and it all sounds theoretically really great, but there is no genuine connection going on with the head. They can talk a good talk, they can put on a good show, but they have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body supported and held together. Do you remember I said we're going to see that word knitted together again? That word there, held together, same word as united in love earlier on in the passage. Knitted together. So they have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, to whom the whole body knitted together is connected. From whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. It's very simple, my friends. If we want to be the people that God has called us to be, if you want to be the Christian that God has called you to be, if you want to be the child of God that he has called you to be, if you want to grow into God's image and become like Jesus, then you have to have connection. It's not about all these wonderful theories and all the latest books and all the latest podcasts and all the latest YouTube preachers with all these kind of different theories and ideas that can take us off in different directions. I'm not saying there isn't good stuff out there that can help us. But it's not about all the latest kind of winds of doctrine. It's about us remaining rooted in Jesus Christ. Sometimes... We pursue all these other things. We want all these juicy-sounding new theories and ideas because basically we're trying to come to terms with the fact that we're struggling in our connection with God. We we want something newfangled and and kind of like interesting and and, and to, to, to liven things up a bit, but basically in our hearts we're struggling with that most basic thing, connection with God. The hope for our future is our connection with the head. But our connection with the head becomes inseparable from our connection with each other. So I'm going to look at three things in slightly more detail, and then we're going to spend the next three weeks after that looking at each of them in greater detail still. But I want to put this to us as a church community, that 2023 needs to be our year ...of greater connection. Greater connection in three specific areas. Greater connection with God. Greater connection with each other. And greater connection with the world around us. Let me start then with connection with God. You may be familiar with Psalm 51. It's an incredible psalm that David wrote. David, um, King David... Um, After he had committed some pretty terrible sin, David found himself in a place where he gave in to temptation and pursued a relationship with another man's wife. And then, because he was in danger of being found out, because he was king, he was able to do this, he arranged for the husband of this woman, who he's just slept with and got pregnant... Um, he arranges for him to be sent into the most dangerous part of the battle, knowing that he will get killed. So basically, he's just had him murdered. So he's slept with another man's wife, had the man murdered. Now, this is, this is King David. This is the man about whom the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And now, God sends a prophet called Nathan, and he brings a challenge to David. And it's like a light bulb moment for David. Because he suddenly realizes. Now, think about this for a moment. Do you think before Nathan came to David that David did not know that it was wrong to sleep with another man's wife? Do you think that David did not know that it was wrong to have someone killed off in battle? Someone who is basically a really noble, incredible guy, full of integrity, and he just has him murdered to try and cover up his mistake. You see, we're not talking here... Someone who just like, I don't know, got angry and shouted at their spouse. We're talking someone who's, who's fallen in an incredible way. Yeah? And I think David knows that he's done wrong. But something happens in that moment when the prophet Nathan comes to him. And something happens in David's heart. And he realizes, as much as he most certainly has wronged the person that he's had killed as much as he has wronged the person, the woman that he seduced, as much as he has wronged the community, let them down, he realizes in that moment the greatest problem of all is his broken connection with God. And he writes in his psalm, against you, you only have I sinned. Well, technically that's not quite true, David. You've sinned against a whole load of people, actually. But comparatively, the root of the problem is your connection with God. And in verse... Let me find it for you. It's probably on the screen. Verse 16 of Psalm 51. Come on. Psalm 51 and verse 16. David says, You do not delight in sacrifice, Or I would bring it. Now this is interesting because actually David lives under the old covenant. Where sacrifice is required. Yeah. But he says you do not delight in sacrifice. Or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. You see, I think David realized. Because the Holy Spirit showed him that actually more important than anything else is his connection with God. And the most incredible thing is, because David's heart is broken in that moment, because David longs more than anything else to be right with God his Father, actually God is still able to say of David in Scripture, he is a man after my own heart. Now this is a man who's committed adultery, who's basically committed murder. This is a man who's, who's fallen in such incredible ways, and yet God is able to say of him, he's a man after my own heart. Isn't that amazing? See, God longs for connection with you and me. And more than he's looking at the details of what you have or haven't done, he's looking at the state of your heart. He's looking for the longing in your heart for connection with him. Now when you long for him, when you become convicted that you haven't done something that you should have done or you did do something that you shouldn't have done, then it's the state of your heart that will lead you to repentance. It's the state of your heart that will lead you to say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be free from that. I but God is looking for a heart that longs for him. Brothers and sisters, this year we need to pursue greater heart connection with God. It needs to matter to us more than anything else. What is the state of my connection with God? Not have I understood the latest theories, can I explain all these fine sounding theological arguments. But how much does my heart long for my God? In Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 23... Jesus says something quite astonishing. He says, you know what? At the end of time, there will be people who will be able to say, I did miracles in your name. And I will say to them, I don't even know you. Isn't that a scary thought? There will be people who will be able to say, I put huge amounts into the offering every week. There'll be people who will be able to say, I was there every Sunday and I served in the children's ministry and and I swept up afterwards. And, you know, I was just the the, the greatest servant there ever was. And, And what if Jesus turns around and says, I never even knew you? Because what counts is not the size of your offering. What counts is not the actions that you perform. What counts is not your performance in front of other people. What counts is your heart. Connection with God. And that has to matter to you more than what anyone sees, more than what anyone else thinks of you. Don't let people judge you by outward religious appearances. You know the state of your heart connection with God. And for some of you, you know, well, it's pretty great right now, but of course I want it to go deeper. Well, that's fantastic. Keep pursuing that. But for some of you right now, you know, actually, do you know what there's a problem? in the state of my heart connection. I'm struggling with the state of my heart connection with God. And I want to urge you, let's make this a year where we are determined, I am going to grow in my connection with God. Secondly, connection with each other. Because there is no escaping the biblical truth that connection with God includes and requires connection with each other. Because the Bible tells us You cannot say that you love God and yet hate your brother or sister. The way you love your brother and sister is directly related to the way you love God. We are born again by the Spirit of God into a family. It is not possible to say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Well, it's possible to say it, but it's wrong. When you are born again, you automatically get brothers and sisters. They may be brothers and sisters you didn't want. (laughs) They may be brothers and sisters you really would rather not spend time with. But the fact is, they are your brothers and sisters. Now, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because, you see, the relationship status is automatic. But let's be honest, the connection isn't. How many of you know that it is entirely possible for you to come here week after week and sit in the midst of brothers and sisters that you do not know? How many of you know that it is possible for you to come here week after week for year after year and sit amongst brothers and sisters with whom you have no connection? But it is connection that we need. Not theoretical status. But knitted together in love. You see, you think about knitting from I am not an expert on knitting. But I'm pretty sure I've understood this. If you if you cut one of the stitches, the whole thing can unravel. Yeah? Because everything has to be interwoven and interlinked. And although you may not have a direct connection with the person sat over here, the idea is that we're all knitted together and Whether you have a direct connection with them, they're connected with someone who down the line is actually connected with you, and we're all connected together. And the thing is, we need that connection in order to grow as we are supposed to grow in God. Because Paul says in his letter to the Colossians, he says, for you to stay true to the faith, for you to really have connection with Jesus, think about this for a moment. You see, Jesus wants all of us connected with him, but he's designed it. He's gone into heaven. And he manifests his presence through the people around you. So to stay connected with him, you have to stay connected with one another in the church. It's God's way. We might want to argue with that. We might want to say, do you know what? I would do better on my own. Just give me a book. Give me a manual Give me some teaching, give me some YouTube videos, and and, and I will apply all this teaching. But it doesn't work that way. I'm really sorry, don't argue with me. I didn't design it that way. You can't argue with the way God has made things to be. And it's a simple truth. He's made it so that we need one another. He's made it so that we find him in one another. Now, the pandemic has had all kinds of effects on our society, and the church has not been immune to that. And one of the effects, if we're really honest, has been that some of us, many of us at different times, to greater or lesser extent, have given up meeting together. We've seen it happen, and it's not been been unique to us as a church community. Other church communities have struggled with this as well but we've seen those who perhaps once would be hungry and excited and eager to be with the church community every week, who basically you'd have to kind of gouge their eyes out before they'd, they'd be away. Suddenly it's like, well, do you know why it's raining today? The parking is really terrible at King's House. I've got to park, I've got to walk for 10 minutes in the rain. And it's all on YouTube. <laughs> Why wouldn't I just stay at home and watch? Do you know, if I'm really honest, we, we wrestled recently. You know, at different points along the time, I've been, I've been like, let's just kill the YouTube. Let's just like sack all these cameras. No offense, guys, you're doing a great job. But let's just get rid of all the cameras. And... Because the church have given up meeting together. Let me just take you to a scripture. Before I carry on. I mean you know where I'm going right? Some of you. Hebrews 10. 25. From verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. Towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more. As you see the day approaching. Listen, I'm really glad that we can provide. The reason we are not killing the YouTube feed is there are some people who are too ill to be amongst us, who are housebound for whatever reason, or perhaps there are some people who have been connected with us as a church family who are now in other contexts, and they are connecting with their own church family in a new place, but they still want to maintain some connection with us. And we are happy to provide that facility We're glad that for those people that are not able, physically not able to be with us, that we're able to enable that. But let's be really honest. Those people know they're getting a lesser connection. Because they're experiencing a one-way connection. They're they're connecting with something that's going on here, but they're not connecting with you. Right now, they're just, those people they're they're watching right now, They're, they're just connecting with me. And I'm not even getting a two-way connection with them. I can't see them. I can't talk to them. I can't know how they're doing. It's not the kind of connection. It's great. It's better than nothing. It's great that we're able to provide that. But when there is something that God says, this will do you more good and make you more connected with me, and help you to be more firmly rooted and established in me, and make you more likely to grow to become who you are in me, why would we give that up? For the sake of convenience. Because we've already been once or twice this month, and that's a lot these days, right? It used to be that you wouldn't think, you wouldn't imagine missing being with the people of God. Or our connect groups. Now I know for some of you, I know it can be, you know, if you've got work and everyone's coming from different places and, and maybe the, maybe it does work better to be on Zoom for your Bible study on a certain night of the week, but don't let that be the only time that you connect. We need, you see, think about the incarnation. Jesus could have sent a message. I know he didn't have YouTube. I know he didn't have email. But God seemed to do alright with sending the scriptures So he could have just sent another book of the Bible He could have just sent another message But for God it was important that he would come and be with us in the flesh yes. Yes. God seems to like in person yes. <laughs> That is the very heart fundamental truth of our gospel He's an in person God I'm trying my best, Cufford. Greater connection with God. Greater connection with one another. What if we make 2023 the year when we make a resolution? You can call it a New Year's resolution if you like. But where you make a resolution, where you make a decision, I am not going to forsake meeting together with brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, even though I find it socially awkward sometimes. You know, some of you won't believe this about me because, you know, I am comfortable, it's true. I am comfortable stood on a platform in front of you. But put me in a room with 20 of you and I suddenly feel really uncomfortable. I don't find it easy at all. I know, so I can relate to some of us, we don't find it easy to turn up in a situation where we don't know people. We need to do everything we can as a church. If there are things we can do better, basically, guys, we need help. If there are things we can do better, if there are things we can make it easier for you to build connections, then we want to do that. But we just need help doing it. But we need to own this together as a community. What would it look like if at the end of 2023 we had given ourselves intentionally with effort and wholeheartedness to building greater connection with one another. And finally, connection with the world around us. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 5. um, Paul, it's an interesting um, passage to go to when thinking about this because Paul is actually dealing with a case of immorality in the church. And he's um, telling the church that they need to disassociate themselves with certain people. Now let me just explain that a little bit for you. This is not someone who has a heart towards God, like we were talking about with King David, who is struggling with sin. He's not talking about the minute someone sins, you come down on them like a ton of bricks, and you make them feel dreadful and guilty and ashamed, and you shun them. He's not saying that for one minute. He's talking about people who claim to represent the church, but knowingly and deliberately live a life opposite to what God is asking them to do. He's talking about people who understand that this is not what God wants, but I'm going to keep living that life anyway, and I'm going to pretend that I'm all godly and Christian. And he's saying, you shouldn't be hanging around with those people. Okay? But this is interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral. All the greedy and swindlers are idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or idolater or slanderer or drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, expel the wicked person from among you. Now again, remember the context, this is the person who is deliberately being a hypocrite. Deliberately putting on a pretense of following Jesus, knowing that they're doing no such thing. Okay? It's not talking about someone who's struggling, wrestling, a heart that says, I want to get things right for God, but I keep finding myself in a mess. That's not what it's talking about. Those kind of people, the Bible tells us we should restore those people gently. Okay? With love and kindness and support one another because we all mess up. And we're all broken. yeah. But what's interesting, the reason I read this passage is because Paul says, how ridiculous to think that you wouldn't have anything to do with people in the world. Because actually then you'd have to leave the world. So... You cannot have the same kind of fellowship with people in the world. You cannot share the life of Christ with someone in the world in the way that you can share the life of Christ with someone in the church. Think about breaking bread together and all that's supposed to represent how you share the life of Christ with one another. that makes sense? Yeah? So there's a fellowship with a fellow believer that is different to what you can have. But we are supposed to have loving friendships with people in the world. Because the idea you see is, according to Jesus in Matthew 5 and verse 16, that our light would shine before others so that they would see our good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven. The less connected you are with this world, then the less opportunity there is for people to see your light shining. It's true that you can be an amazing witness by the way you say thank you to the bus driver. Yeah? It's true that you can be an amazing witness by the way when you sit on the bus, I don't know, you sit politely and you don't put your feet on the seats. But it's fairly limited, isn't it? On a bus journey with strangers, how much you can witness to the gospel. And maybe you're one of those people who's always got a track, and you start a conversation and you lead the person on the bus next to you to Jesus before they reach their stop. Glory, hallelujah. You arrange for them to be baptized and brought into the church. And um, you've been doing that so much. We've not met any of the people you've brought yet, um, but they must be here. That's amazing. That's fantastic. But actually, for most of us, that doesn't happen. For most of us, our witness is with those we're connected to. For most of us, our witness is it's with the people that you work alongside. It's with the people in whose street you also happen to live. Because God knew what he was doing when he sent you there to live amongst them. We need to build connections in the world with people around us. It's not the same kind of fellowship. I know sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to challenge some of us that we're being more influenced by the people we're hanging out with in the world than they are being influenced by us. That's another thing. And listen to the Holy Spirit on that. But nevertheless, we cannot just put up our drawbridge and be disconnected from the world around us. And that's why things like the warm welcome room or whatever else it is that God leads us to do together this year become very important for us. Because we must build greater connection. It should not be... That the people in this city and in this local area are totally unaware that King's Church even exists here. If you took us away as King's Church and f- in five years' time, nothing was any different to if we'd been here all that time. then that's a pretty sad indictment on us as a church community. We have to be connected in the world in which we exist and in which we live together as a community Of God's people. So my challenge to us is this. In 2023, would we invest ourselves in greater connection with God? Would that be more important to us than anything else? Would we invest ourselves in greater connection with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ? Knowing that although the truth is we are brothers and sisters, sometimes, sometimes we haven't done the best job of building true connections with one another. Knowing that just hearing preaching is not connection, turning up at events is not connection. But actually, it's going to take me sometimes making myself feel uncomfortable. It's going to make me sometimes risking myself being hurt because I might feel rejected, I might feel frustrated. But what I say, what I resolve right now, the stakes are too high. The stakes are too high for me not to give myself to this. Would I build greater connection with the church? And would I give myself to greater connection with those around me that God has placed around me to whom I can be a light, to whom I can be a witness, shine with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2023, could it be our year of greater connection? Amen.